Back on Equal Footing, I'm Dove Tusman. It's an Independence Day-themed show tonight. I've been waiting for this one. I'm a nerd. I studied political philosophy. And every once in a while, we get to toggle from the socio-political topics of the day. We've been covering things like abortion rights in America, same-sex marriage, and gay life in Orthodox communities, things that are often more controversial than when we look further back. But it's, you know, if we lived 250 years ago, right prior to the American Revolution, there was planning literally going on 250 years ago for the break from the tyranny of England. What would have been one of the most controversial topics of the day? Freedom of religion. Who would be a citizen under the new republic? Things that are obvious to us today, all men are created equal, but were anything but obvious then. We've got two guests tonight to talk about the Jewish influence on the founding fathers. How did what some people call political Hebraism or the founding fathers' attentiveness Attention to Chumash, attention to Jewish principles, principles shape the birth of America. Professor Dr. Bruce Powell is with us. Dr. Powell for 52 years has dedicated his professional life to Jewish education. He's founded numerous Jewish high schools, including Yeshiva University of Los Angeles High School, Milken Community High School, and most recently De Toledo High School. He's consulted on the founding of 23 more Jewish high schools throughout North America. He's won the Covenant Foundation Award and the Milken Jewish Educator Award for his major contributions over time to Jewish education. He served on the faculty of American Jewish University since 1998. Dr. Powell received his BA in English from UCLA in 1970, his doctor from the University of South Carol- Southern California, from USC, and an honorary doctorate from the American Jewish University in 2007. Dr. Powell's been married for almost 50 years. Amazing, Mazaltov. They share four children, and they have uh, many, many grandchildren who now attend Jewish day schools in Los Angeles and Washington. Most recently, Dr. Dr. Powell published a book with his co-author, Dr. Ron Wolfson, on raising A-plus human beings, crafting a culture of academic excellence and AP Kindness. You can check it out on Amazon, Raising A-Plus Human Beings. Dr. Powell, welcome to Equal Footing. Really an honor to have you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was a tall task to find a Jewish educator with uh, special knowledge around this these strains of influence in the 18th century leading up to the American Revolution. And Dr. Powell really... Uh, Honored again to, to have you on the program. I'm sitting here in the studio across from a repeat guest, one of my favorite people, one of the most sought after speakers and scholars in the Jewish world today, literally around the world, Rabbi Simon Jacobson. It's a real honor to, to have him here in the studio, studio again. Uh, 
Rabbi Jacobson, if you if you're not aware, for those few of you that are not aware, wrote the best-selling book, one of the most important books about Jewish thought, really, I think, over the last uh, 50 plus years, called Toward a Meaningful Life. It sold over 400,000 copies. It's been translated into many languages. Rabbi, Jacob, Rabbi Jacobson heads the Meaningful Life Center. It's been called by the New York Times a spiritual Starbucks, that, which bridges the secular and the spiritual through a wide variety of live and online programming and presents the universal teachings of Torah as a blueprint for life to people of all backgrounds. Rabbi Jacobson has lectured to diverse audiences on six continents and in 40 states across our union on psycho-spiritual issues and applying Jewish thought to contemporary life. He's been interviewed on over 300 radio and TV shows, including CBS, CNN, Newsmax, PBS, Fox, NPR, etc. Rabbi Jacobson, one of the things I really love about your work is your ability to uh, really get theoretical and go to this these these uh, kind of deep topics, B-side topics like Jewish influence on the founding fathers, and yet make it very easy to understand. So, Rabbi Jacobson, it's wonderful to have you on the, prog- on the program again. Thank you. And the fact that I could return is a tribute to both of us in our relationship, our budding and growing relationship. It's great to be here. Indeed, yeah. I really enjoy how that relationship has flourished, and it's nice to be on the program here with you, Dr. Powell, and you, Rabbi Jacobs. I'm talking about something that hopefully will elicit less controversy today in 2022 than it would have in, uh, let's say, what, 1787 as the uh, Constitution was being drafted. Okay, let's do a quick primer before we really dive into some questions. Many people are probably not aware of this. I certainly wasn't uh, acutely aware. I was only generally aware of this before. Um, beginning to dive into the to the pregame research for this show, but the original Pur- Puritan emigres from from England, because as we all know, living in the United States of America, that the original settlers of quote unquote New England of in the early 17th century were Puritan refugees escaping religious persecution persecution in Europe, particularly the British Isles. They saw themselves very much as uh, as refugees akin to what was going on in the Jewish exodus from Egypt in, in the Humash. In fact, this was an explicit connection for those original Puritans in, in America. In fact, Thanksgiving, our holiday of Thanksgiving here in the United States, which was first celebrated in 1621, a year after the Mayflower landed in, in modern day Massachusetts, was initially conceived as a day parallel to the Jewish Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. That it would be a day of fasting and introspection and 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 prayer, and if you need some additional uh, kind of evidence of the influence of the early Puritan view of the American uh, experiment, this is really as you're leading up to the the revolution. You had uh, all nearly all of the founding fathers looking at that time to the original Hebrew text. Of, of the Humash. Uh, you have, for example, um, the first design of the official seal of the United States, which is recommended by Benjamin Franklin, was together with uh, uh, John Adams, which depicted the Jews crossing the Red Sea. And the motto around the seal read, resistance, resistance to tyrants is obedience to God. The inscription on the Liberty Bell at the at Independence Hall in Philadelphia is actually a direct quote from Leviticus 25.10, 
Proclaim liberty throughout the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. And I'll stop here, but this is where where you're going to help me out here, Professor Powell. The preamble of the Constitution itself, which I'm going to read here, was really a, if not a direct lift, certainly a direct philosophical lift, if not literal, from uh, Jewish ideals and ideals expounded in in the Chumash. It says, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, posterity do ordain and, and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. Dr. Powell. Start us here. Absolutely. How does that? Yeah, so, how does the preamble to the Constitution tie into Jewish thought? Um, well, let's start first with James Madison. James Madison um, majored in, got his master's degree in Hebrew language and thought from Princeton University uh, in New Jersey, which was then called the College of New Jersey. Um, and if you look at the at the text itself. We the people, not I the king, um, a more perfect union, tikkun olam, fix the world, fix the broken system, establish justice, tzedek, tzedek tirdof, justice, justice we will pursue, um, ensure domestic tranquility, shalom bait, uh, ensure peace in the home, um, uh, provide for the common defense, fight only defensive wars, uh, promote the general welfare, feed the hungry, clothe the naked. It is almost word for word out of our Torah. Um, and that's partly because James Madison and Governor Morris, who, who wrote it, um, uh, knew Hebrew and could translate our, our Tanakh, uh, into, into modern American English at the time. Dr. Powell, it's, it was amazing to me to learn coming up to, to tonight how many of the founding fathers actually uh, read and wrote Hebrew. Why was this? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so so Yale. Uh, let's 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 start with with Harvard University. We'll get to Yale in a minute. Um, you know, Harvard was founded in 1619. By 1720, about a hundred years after it was founded, all the freshmen were required to take Hebrew, which meant John Adams, who went there, was required to take Hebrew our second president of the United States. Um, the uh, um, uh, Samuel, President Samuel Langdon in 1775 uh, wrote a piece in a, in, a, in a speech that every nation has a right to set up over itself a form of government, which it may appear most conducive to the common welfare. The civil polity of Israel, meaning the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, the Bible at that time, the civil polity of Israel is doubtless an excellent general model. So this is the philosophy that these um, students were learning at, at, at Harvard, and the same thing at Yale, and the same thing at Columbia, and the same thing at Princeton, the, these uh, founding uh, major uh, universities in our country. Even Mr. Yale, whose first name was Elihu, uh, insisted that we have Hebrew on the logo of the college, and it's Urim V'tumim, which are the, the uh, stones on the breastplate of the high priest of Israel. Now, Rabbi Jacobson, let's be, before we go to our first break, let's, let's start to clear out the channel here on some of the controversy involved here. Cause some folks, maybe you included, cause I saw you give me a little facial expression here in the studio, may have been a bit 
a little bit irked by my reference to the early pilgrims and the way they saw themselves as analogous to the Jews in uh, leaving Egypt and leaving Mitzrayim. And part of the reason sometimes people get irked around that type of interpretation is that they were really seeing things through a Christian prism and looking at uh, what we would see as Jewish ideals, really as Christian ideals. Um, but there is a difference here that's important to note, and that is that these were Protestants. Our founding fathers in the United States, political founding fathers, were Protestants. Uh, they were breaking from the, the Catholic Church and were looking uh, over the couple hundred years prior much more to the Humash, to what they called the Old Testament, than, than previous generations. Now, I think where it gets dicey, Rabbi Jacobson, is where folks start to focus, for example, on Thomas Jefferson, arguably the most important of our founding fathers. Jefferson's bill for establishing religious freedom in 1775, I think it was, in, in Virginia, is really the first time ever you have state sanctions, a, a statement by an aspiring, at that point, state, or existing state, but aspiring to be a nation, uh, uh, declaring religious freedom and that no take, taking public office would be uh, at, would would can could happen without an oath of, of 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 religious deference, and at the same time we know from his private writings that Chum, Thomas Jefferson was not a fan of uh, the Jews. He wasn't an anti-Semite like Voltaire and other French revolutionaries were, but he wrote quite disparagingly disparagingly privately uh, about the Jewish people and the, what he called the Jewish God. But he also was fervently attentive and committed to religious freedom and publicly uh, held that position throughout his life, especially as regarded, in fact, the Jewish people. Can we live with that dissonance, Rabbi Jacobson? Can we love what the man did without loving the the man? And how, how important was were his private beliefs as opposed to what he did in the Constitution and, and afterwards as President of the United States? Okay, um, we have to uh, separate a few of the questions you asked me. Yeah, too long a question. First of all, I wasn't even aware that Thomas Jefferson was anti-Semitic until you just told me. So you've now tarnished <laughs> Sorry. his reputation in my eyes. But the truth is that's just uh, – I don't have an issue with it at all. Frankly, none of what you said irks me at all. I actually consider it a form of flattery and a form of almost an affirmation that whether it's the Catholics or the Protestants – that based all their ideals on the Old Testament. You have to remember what they call the Old Testament. We call it the Torah. You have to remember that Jesus was an Orthodox Jew in the language of uh, modern lingo, Mm -hmm. even though there was no denominations at the time. He probably looked more like me than he looked like the Founding Fathers or like any uh, uh, Christian. uh, Or maybe more like uh, me with the beard because he had darker skin. Okay, fine, (laughs) that's possible. So the point I'm saying is, that the idea that these scholars and these founding fathers and these leaders uh, read, as Professor Powell, Dr. Powell said, Hebrew and understood these texts and based on that a new republic and actually wanted it to emulate the exodus from Egypt and, and saw it as like the, like the city on the hill and uh, considered Hebrew to perhaps be the language of America and all the symbolism that you described and much, much more as ultimately that the universal Jewish ideals that Abraham taught that are um, advocated in the Bible became an actual institution on earth. 
So if anything, I see this only as a uh, a beautiful thing. Personal, listen, they were also slave owners, some of them. Sure, and, and Jefferson was a creature of his time, right? He was, he wrote, all, you know, that uh, all men are created equal for the Constitution. Those were his added words, and at the same time, he owned slaves, and so yeah. we have to acknowledge that through a different. Uh, yeah, different but I, I would say actually, by writing "all men are created equal," or we would say "all people are created equal," there shouldn't be any misunderstanding. He actually built into that the abolishment of slavery. You know, at that point, they thought blacks were not uh, humans. I guess, or right. they, the, they were half the canary in the coal mine, right? So, so if anything, the Declaration of Independence and the United States Constitution is a testimony how the Torah has actually become a, uh, I would even say the basis, I wouldn't like to call it a secular country, but even a secular country that has a separation between church and state and, and freedom of religion uh, as opposed to freedom uh, from religion. Mm. Um, even a, a country like that, that allows for atheists and for, allows for agnostics and allows for people of all denominations of faith and no faith, is all based on the principles of the Torah that God created all human beings and everyone has those inalienable rights of the pursuit of freedom and happiness. And w- which was a completely novel idea at the time. I mean, of course, uh, John... Well, a few Jews knew about it. <laughs> so it wasn't so novel. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think as... We're going to go to our first break in a moment, but as as Professor Powell had said in one of our pregame discussions, I mean, there was really a renaissance. We were going through the post-enlightened period, but there was a, a renaissance also specifically around the Hebrew Bible. And so you had the translation uh, of the, the the learning of, of the Hebrew, as Professor Powell had referred to, um, so folks could read the original text, which had not happened uh, really in, 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 uh, in secular society for really ever prior amongst the non, non, non-Jewish non scholars. After the break, I'd like to share some thoughts on that as well. So. And so you have, you do have a, um, a renaissance of, of understanding of, of that coincides both around Humash and around um, as well Greco-Roman philosophy that's all going on in the, in the, uh, in, in this period. And we'll, we'll, we'll come, we'll tie that into the way Jewish thought was changing as well in Europe at the time. We're going to come right back after the break. We're here with Rabbi Simon Jacobson and Professor Bruce Powell. We're talking about the Jewish influence on the birth of the American Republic. So we bought a pack of cigarettes and this is pies and walked off to look for America. Equal footing. I love when we have Simon and Garfunkel woven in. Equal Footing is brought to you in part by DocuVax. DocuVax is an easy-to-use digital locker. It's accessible on your laptop or your smartphone. It helps you store all of your medical records, not just your vaccination records, but your lab results or x-rays, MRIs, even allergy information. Gone are the days of losing time tracking down those medical records when you switch insurance companies, you go to a new healthcare provider, or you're asked to produce it for a school or a job. Your medical records do not belong to the government. They do not belong even to your insurance company or your doctor. They belong to you. 
The DocuVac system helps you organize your medical rec- records over 60 different important lines, inclu- and everything from flu and tetanus vaccines to colorectal and breast cancer screenings to blood type and allergy information. It costs as little as $6.99 per month, and it helps you save a lot of money on your medical bills and your co-pays because you can get references using that information to specialists without having to annoyingly always go through your general practitioner for something you know you need. DocuVax is secure, HIPAA-compliant digital storage facility. It's very easy to use. Just go to DocuVax.com. That's D-O-C-U-V-A-X.com. Or download the DocuVax app on your iPhone or your Android device. Just go to DocuVax, D-O-C-U-V-A-X. The coolest thing about DocuVax is that medical professionals are on call for you 24 hours a day. Yes, doctors and nurses, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, who can validate your vaccine records, explain your blood tests, or anything else in your medical locker. And nothing in your medical data is ever available to anyone else unless you decide to share it as a DocuVac subscriber using a proprietary QR code based system that keeps your data secure at all times. So go to DocuVax and take control of your medical file. Sign up at DocuVax.com or download the DocuVax app. And finally, if you are a small business owner and you want to sponsor your employees to get DocuVax subscriptions, just like you would a gym membership, an extra benefit, you can get group discounts if you mention that you heard about DocuVax on equal footing by calling 833-859-1933. That's 833-859-1933. DocuVax. Operators are standing by. I've been caught. All right, you're back on Equal Footing. I'm here with Professor Dr. Bruce Powell and Rabbi Simon Jacobson talking about the Jewish influence on early America, on the birth of our republic, on the American Revolution. You can text in your questions or comments on this subject by texting or WhatsApping 917-428-4062. Again, that's for a text or WhatsApp question or comment, 917-428-4062. Or you can call in and give us your comment or question live on the air with Rabbi Jacobson and Professor Powell by calling 718-303-9090. That's 718-303-9090. Gentlemen, I love the direct feedback we get when we're live. So a listener who's a who's a uh, teacher of history, a high school teacher of history, wants me to correct something. Uh, Thomas Jefferson's bill for establishing religious freedom was originally co-authored by him in Virginia in 1776, but it it was legislation that failed. Uh, it was in 1779 that it was uh, actually ratified, and then ultimately that religious freedom doctrine makes its way into the Constitution in 1787. Thank you, listener, for that correction. Uh, also, to your point around Thomas Jefferson's anti-Semitism, the same listener uh, comments that most of his dissension around Jewish thought uh, had to do really with the concept of a punishing or vindictive Jewish God. So he, he wasn't, I guess I, I need to be corrected, I, I'm not sure I said he was anti-Semitic, but he certainly said disparaging things about the Jewish God. He was quite admiring of the 
Jewish people in the colonies, of which there were around 2,000, if I'm not mistaken, at the time of the revolution, including uh, folks that were very important to the revolutionary effort. Haim Solomon was one of the top uh, financiers of the American resistance. Uh, you had Jonas Phillips, who was an important financier and business person and patriot. Okay, Rabbi Jacobson, you wanted to make a comment here. Yeah. Firstly, about if I had a conversation, I was able to have a conversation with Thomas Jefferson. I would have um, I I would have uh, shared with him some of the thoughts of some of the great Torah scholars, how they saw the God, um, and I think if he would have learned a little Hasidus and a little uh, of the mystical, I, I think he would have a different take on. We can't we can't get everything from. We got religious freedom. <laughs> no no no, I got it, I got it. So so I I that's why I don't have an issue. I think that they were ultimately. The founding fathers, was it brilliance? Was it prophecy? Was it divine revelation? But they clearly had a prescience, a certain sense. Maybe it was the oppression. Maybe it was the fact that they were trying to uh, find a new way of living without the oppression of monarchies and the church of the past. So they also, they they had suffered religious, because of religious oppression as well. Yes, and and it I found it fascinating in coming up to this program to learn how the not only the original pilgrims of the founding fathers saw their plight as so similar to right the the Israelites. So perhaps that that work. sensitized them to the fact that the importance of freedom of religion, the importance of freedom in general, which the Jewish people were always struggling with for thousands of years. What I wanted to add was uh, just two points. Um First of all, there are two great books on this topic that I would definitely recommend. One is called On Two Wings by Michael Novak, okay. a scholar. We'll, we'll a add these to the show notes. A Christian scholar. And a second is called The New Republic, The Hebrew Republic, rather, by Eric Nelson. Yeah, great book. And uh, both of them make the case of how significant many people think that the modern world, especially the modern institutions, including the United States, were based on the secularization of the Enlightenment. And he makes the case that's exact opposite. Mm-hmm. It was due to their exposure to the biblical. It was actually coined by 17th century historians, dubbed that period the biblical century, you know, just to, to confirm what Professor Powell had said earlier. Mm-hmm. And in on two, and on two Wings, he makes a um, – Two Wings is, is – I was such an eye-opener because it's not a book of theories. He just quotes correspondence from John Adams and Jefferson and Paine – and uh, Madison and uh, and all the founding fathers, actual quotes from them, and he he actually has a chapter called "The Basis of um, the U.S. Constitution or the United States on Torah Metaphysics," making a case <laughs> that they did not use words like salvation or savior, but words like providence, trust, um, destiny. Yeah. No, it's All true. There's a whole. There's, there's a lot of of scholarship on this kind of what political Hebraism or this 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 founding fathers' tendency to hearken to to the language of the Humash as opposed to the language of of their uh, their chosen testament. Rabbi, just, just for the record, Michelangelo, when he painted when he created the Sistine Chapel, which is a church. Also, doesn't have any Christian. Uh, it's only biblical character right. there. Professor Powell, talk yeah. to us about. Alexander Hamilton, because yeah. obviously uh, Lin Manuel Miranda's uh, Broadway hit has brought him back into the public yeah. conscious much more than ever. But so, I was fascinated to learn that maybe my supposition that there were no Jewish founding fathers was wrong. Well, this is this is very very interesting. Um, 
Uh, first of all, one one word in defense of, of, of Tom Jefferson, a personal friend of mine. Um, uh, you know, he did he did right. We hold the truth to be self-evident that all men are created equal, and he was taking that right out of the Torah. Uh, you know, that every human being is created uh, b'tselam alakim in the in the image of God. Uh, the other little defense of Tom is that uh, when John Kennedy uh, had a uh, uh, had a dinner in the White House. Uh, in uh, 1962 or so, and, and invited the hundred most brilliant uh, professors and scientists in the world to the White House for dinner. And he gets up and he says to these scientists, never before uh, has so much brilliance been in the White House um, since Thomas Jefferson dined alone. Um <laughs> So there, there was okay. a lot of a lot of stuff there. Now back to back to Alexander Hamilton, another good friend of mine. So it turns out that Alexander Hamilton, uh, many people know, and it's become popularized in the in the play, sure. um, was born in Nevis in the in in the Bahamas. Right. And it turns out that he was a, a bastard child. Um, uh, and and so the at that time, remember, there were no public schools. There were only Christian schools and so on, faith-based schools. And um, uh, the, the Christian schools would not allow in a bastard child. And he went to a Jewish day school in Nevis, um, which was a stunning thing for me to learn. Um, his mother, his mother had converted to Judaism, so he, certainly I, there was it, a, it, he was brought up in part as, as with right. Jewish identity. And my guess, is he, my guess is he knew the Ten Commandments in Hebrew by the time he was 10 oh, or certainly, because he was studying in Hebrew, yeah. So, so, and then he came to to New York, and and we know the story, you know, where the, where the play starts, um, and uh, and the history starts. So it's it's these these fascinating tidbits, and so there's no question that that some of the the founding fathers and mothers um, had this type of a a, a affinity, a Jewish affinity, um, uh, for for the uh, for Torah to Torah values. Um, and and so on. It's it's just and it goes on and on like this. Um, uh, even the uh, in 1781, the the president of Yale University, Ezra Stiles, uh, gave a an oration in on Hebrew literature written in Hebrew originally, right. and then he translated it to English. In fact, the, the in our social brilliant. media blast for tonight's program, we called the blast light and and truth. Uh, Urim and Tumim in, uh, in in Hebrew, which comes from the crest of Yale University, and of course is also right. a, a, a reference to the the breastplates of the um, of the of the high, the high priests. priests. Yeah, and 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 really the 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 word Tumim is more than just truth. It's also about like a, a level of integrity and and and, and transparency. Very deep word, and and right. so these were ingrained values. A couple of other books that uh, I'd like to add in, and also one of our listeners would like to add into that list that you recommended, uh, Rabbi Jacobson. One is The Jewish World of Alexander Hamilton, which is uh, recently released, Princeton University Press from last year. Mm. The author is Andrew Porwancher, really interesting read. And the other, which I found fascinating, was actually a direct uh, transcription of a speech given by President Calvin Coolidge in 1925, President of the United States, called Jewish Contributions to American Democracy, which is relatively easy to find mm. online. I don't know about finding it in your at Amazon, but uh, President Coolidge, Jewish Contributions to American Democracy. Now, let's let's take for a moment, before we go to our next break, 
Uh, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna run out of time. Let's go to our next break uh, to get back on track, and we'll be back here with Rabbi Simon Jacobson and Professor Dr. Bruce Powell talking about the Jewish influence on our founding fathers (parenthesis) and mothers, because there were women involved just behind the scenes with respect to the Constitution itself and the birth of our republic. We'll be right back. What a court hath old England of folly and sin. By the Chatham and Captain Mary Burke will send win. Not content with the game act, they tax fish and sea. And America drenched with hot water and tea. Equal Footing with Dove Tusman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skin care. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skin care surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. You're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tusman. We are talking about the birth of American democracy in this Independence July 4th Day themed show of Equal Footing. And let's try to get in trouble here. Ready, Rabbi Jacobson? We've got Always. Trouble, trouble is the... Is the... <laughs> Good trouble. So I've referred to political uh, Hebraism. Uh, a couple times. I hope I'm pronouncing that right in the show. And this is some scholarship that's pretty recent over the last 20, 30 years that has challenged the received wisdom that America was founded as kind of, even though we had a religious freedom, as a Christian country, as a Protestant uh, country. Uh, Professor Daniel Hofheimer has, uh, has been, uh, or I should say historian, not a professor. Daniel Hofheimer has been at the, one of the leaders in this movement. And the basic argument is that even though our, our founding fathers probably didn't have that many Jewish friends in their lives, although there were there was a very, a small but very active community in the colonies at the time, around 2,000 to 2,500 uh, people. The references, you walked us through, Professor Powell, the direct references from the preamble to the Constitution, many of the patriotic um, symbolism that was used, the crests and the seals and the rallying cries and so forth, um, were almost exclusively uh, Hebraic. And Old Testament, as they called it, or what we would say Chumash uh, references, Torah references. Very few, as you said before the the break, Rabbi references to kind of I think it was you said like to the Savior or these 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 words that are more evocative of the of the Christian or Christ uh, references. And so that that is the spirit of seventy six nineteen oh sorry seventeen seventy six the Christian events was much much more of a of a of a Torah kind of philosophical grounding than it was a uh, a Christian Bible uh, grounding. Now, first of all, does that matter? Sometimes I think as Jews, we're afraid to kind of step forward to these issues. Do you think, Rabbi, that we should be kind of as Jews being more 
um, aware of or vocal in in the influence of our of, of, of our tradition of our thought on the first true functioning republic since Athenian democracy uh, or or is this all kind of doesn't really matter because these were you know Protestant Christian uh, gentlemen who you know happen happen to be reading the Hebrew Bible so, on the contrary, I don't think this is trouble at all. I think this is a critical point, and I'd like to make this because I think um, this isn't just a message for what I'm going to say now for the Christ- our Christian neighbors, but also for our, the Jewish neighbors. So, firstly, when you're confident and secure in your position, you don't have to pull rank and take credit. You don't have to run around saying, hey, you know, you got it all from us. Mm-hmm. You know, we suffered greatly. We suffered for our ideas of freedom and create and every human being created in the divine image when it was completely not popular. You know, Abraham stood up to Nimrod. Abraham stood up to uh, a pagan world by declaring there's one God, and that God tells us what to do, not we tell that God what to do. We, God created us in his image. We don't create a God in our image, essentially. These were radical ideas at the time, and it took thousands of years for it to ultimately um, uh, be, become instilled and integrated into, we'll call it, the Gentile world. So uh, I will say this may sound radical to some, especially to my Jewish friends. Judaism was never sent to this world, and the Torah was not given just for Jews. Mm. It may have been given through Jews Mm. as people of the book, as teachers, but Judaism was a vision for the universe. God created every human being on earth. Remember, Adam and Eve are the, are, the, are the ancestors of the entire human race. Eight billion people on earth today are all grandchildren of Adam and Eve. We all have one common ancestor. And everybody was created in the divine image. And God gave us a vision of what he wants this world to look like. He wants this world to be, to spiritualize the material world, to turn it into a garden, to turn it into a, a, a home for the divine, all of us. Now, how we do it, there may be differences. The Jews do it through their mitzvahs. But everybody has a mandate from God, a mission. And for Judaism, if you really read Judaism properly, it was always meant to be a universal blueprint for life. It just took time. So when the Christians actually began to embrace it, and I'm not getting into whether there are distortions and the differences between Christianity and Judaism, and the same thing with the Muslim world. All, uh, all brace, embracing yeah. these principles. Now we're getting a little far afield, but I love your, I love oh, the sentence. But I'm saying, that, let me just finish the sentence. Yeah. So th- they embraced it to, 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 I see it as actually part of God's plan. I'll just quote a very powerful statement from Maimonides where he says, despite the, the shortcomings of Christianity and Islam, they both help pave the way to bring unity and the belief of a Messiah and the belief of a better world to the entire universe. So, with that perspective, the United States is like the fulfillment, essentially, yeah. of God's greater plan. And you, you hit a really key point that, Professor Powell, I'd like you to uh, weigh in on. And that is sure. that there was a very strong philosophical strain with the Founding Fathers that may be best articulated in George Washington's famous letter to the Tauro Synagogue in Newport, Rhode Island in 1790, that what they were creating in the American Republic was akin to a messianic utopia. Really, they, they really were uh, harkening back to um, Jewish ideals of what is the best world. And I just want to read this and then have you comment on that connection between the Founding Fathers' American project and what they saw 
as kind of a a a the Jewish ideal of utopia. George Washington uh, said that day on August 17th, 1790, in his letter and his address, may the children of the stock of Abraham who dwell in the land continue to merit and enjoy the goodwill of all the other inhabitants, while everyone shall sit safely under his own vine and fig tree, and there shall be none to make him afraid. That reference to the vine and fig tree, I think, is quite relevant. Help us out here, Professor. Absolutely. Um, Look, first of all, many of these founding fathers and mothers were deists. You know, they they believed in a God, and they believed that God wound up the universe and let it go, and then the rest of us up to human beings. Um, look, I, I, I want to give a shout-out to to our Christian neighbors and friends um, in this in this country and, frankly, in the world, because without them, the, the spread of, of the notion, uh, the most radical and important idea in the history of humanity is basically ethical uh, monotheism, mm-hmm. that there's a one God. It demands of us moral and ethical behavior, which I, which is sort of echoes something that that uh, that uh, Rabbi Jacobson was saying. Um, uh, and the Christians and the Muslims, uh, six hundred years after that, um, uh, spread that idea of ethical monotheism throughout the world. Obviously, there are differences, um, but the the um, uh, this notion uh, that that. Uh, uh, that Judaism has, and that the influence that it had, the the people who founded the country, the the geniuses that founded this country, um, uh, understood all of this. They wanted to make a, a city on a hill here. They wanted to to um, it, it, you know, if you yeah, read, and they were consciously the doing that. The, there were there were conscious what they called Old they, Testament, or we were we they were called Torah absolutely con- even even Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. If you read the first part of it, okay, it is Torah. It is right out of, because what did Jesus know? He, he knew, he spoke Aramaic, and he knew, he knew, he knew Torah. All right? Professor, he, I'd like, Rabbi Jacobson, yeah, Dr. Powell, and, sorry, let me, let me, uh, let me get to a, li- a listener's comments. It feeds into what you're, what you're uh, saying here. The, the, a listener, Sophia, who's a regular listener, uh, r- refers us to the Pilgrim's Code of the Laws of 1636. Uh, which were derived directly from Humash. And in fact, the original pilgrim's idea of the, of the branches of government being executive, legislative, and judicial followed the tripartite structure of the ancient Hebrew commonwealth with Shofet, Sanhedrin, and, Nes- and Knesset. Uh, so, is, is, kudos to Sophia. She is spot on. I even have that, Sophia, in my notes. <laughs> Tell, tell us our, more our, about that, because, I mean, you don't have Spirit of the Laws, Montesquieu, you don't have other kind of, you know, John Locke and other kind of, uh, I don't know what, a, your articulation of that until, of right. course, 2,000 right. years later. So, for even, the, even, the, even the Supreme Court of the United States is modeled on the Great Sanhedrin. First of all, we have the Supreme Court, and then we have... Uh, um, sub, uh, subsidiary courts. For all listeners over the that country. might not know, what what are the Shofet, the Sanhedrin, and the Knesset from? An, uh, from... I, I leave that to Rabbi Jacobson. <laughs> well, the Sanhedrin was a supreme court essentially, where there were smaller courts, just like we have here. We have outlined courts, in Torah. Yeah, outlined different courts in different municipalities, which is part of the laws of the Torah that you shall have law and order and establish courts. 
Um, as a matter of fact, it's one of the Noahide laws as well, one of the universal divine Noahide laws. And then there was a Supreme Court, which really was a ruling like for everyone. Or if there was an appeal, exactly as Professor Powell said, the Supreme Court is a model. You appeal on lower courts until you ultimately get – Sanhedrin was at best a group of 71 judges. Which was and we've done. We actually did a show on the on the Sanhedrin and the okay. reconstitution. So that's what we're referring to. Yes, if interesting. Go to SoundCloud. Yeah, check yeah. It out. I mean, what frankly, they, the whole Shofet and the Knesset. These three brands. Well, Shofet means a judge. A, uh, a Sanhedrin is a court of law. Knesset means a gathering. I mean, the Knesset, like in Israel, is more of a a modern version of it, but it's not. But it's more. It's like a legislative. So body. this so this listener is arguing that th- those three institutions in our tradition are parallel to the the executive, right. judicial, and legislative uh, and, branches. It, Dr. Powell, and, do you agree? Yeah, and I would go even further than that. I would say that even the internal workings of some of those branches are modeled on the great Jewish traditions. For example, the Supreme Court has minority opinions and majority opinions. The same as, and I refer to Rabbi Jacobson on this, so does the Talmud, has minority opinions. And interestingly, the minority opinion is given first, and then the majority opinion is given second, and that's the one we, we, uh, we live by and we hold by. But that the same, same exact process in our current uh, Supreme Court that has developed over, over the years. The minority opinion was always valued. That was a radical departure over there was only one voice, the king, from whence the, these people escaped uh, that religious uh, oppression. It was not just religious we, oppression. Before, before we go to our last break, I, I think it's, it's, it's really important to understand as observant, whether we're, whether we're Jews or, or, uh, or Christians or Muslims or Buddhists, whoever, today in America, we take for granted the freedom of religious uh, practice and of course you can be elected to any office in the land without having to come from a certain religion these things are so self-evident to us now but the constitution of 1787 of this great country of the united states of america codified that into being and it had really arguably never been uh there had never been a truly secularized government this true separation of church and state one could argue that you had early forms of that and you know protean democracies in the athenian age and so forth but really it's not it's not a comparable because you don't have the same um heterogeneous society that was an extraordinary breakthrough the ability to practice and observe the way your relationship with god i i think our our, our wonderful uh, producer Leia, she uh, sent me a quote before the show, and I'm going to get it wrong, so I'm going to maybe we'll try, after the break try to get it right. But um, it was one of the founding fathers saying, "I don't care if you, something along the lines of whether you whether you um, you know worship 21 gods or one, you know you're 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 still a citizen of this of this great land." I'll get that quote right after the show, right after our next break. So we're going to come back in a moment for our final segment here on the Jewish influence on the founding fathers and on the emergence of this great republic we call the United States of America. We'll be right back. I want to do a show sometime on nursery rhymes. I always thought Yankee Doodle was a nursery rhyme, and maybe it was originally in like the Middle Ages, but in fact, it's it's uh, it was sung by uh, soldiers in the Revolutionary War. Uh, 
uh, and there's 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 a lot to talk about. Yankee Doodle. Where do I go from here? <laughs> Equal Footing is brought to you in part by Mechanical Art Capital. Of course, that's where I go from here. Great segue. Mechanical Art Capital provides you financing if you're a watch dealer on your inventory or if you're a watch collector on the timepieces in your collection. Free up liquidity. Get cash from your timepiece collection or inventory. It's very easy. Go to mechanicalartcapital.com or even easier, go to your iPhone or Android app store and download three separate words, the app, Mechanical Art Capital. In as little as a day, maximum two days, you get cash against your watch inventory or collection and it's fast, it's easy, it doesn't affect your credit, no uh, big bureaucratic process. Just go into the app, fill out a two-page contract, you get the, get uh, your liquidity. So check out Mechanical Art Capital's liquidity solution for watch dealers or watch collectors by downloading the Mechanical Art Capital app or going to mechanicalartcapital.com. I've been caught. All right, so I'm told, except I don't know which founding father this is, that the quote is, it does me no injury for my neighbor to say that there are 20 gods or no god. It neither picks my pocket nor breaks my leg. The concept of freedom of religion. Thomas Jefferson. That was Thomas Jefferson. Your good buddy, Tom, Dr. Powell. <laughs> right. Absolutely. All right. So let's let's hit some of the toughest questions Uh here at, at, at the end. <laughs> Jacob's afraid of whatever. It, On the contrary, <laughs> I think you can get tough even if you want to. <laughs> okay, you're daring me. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't. Be yeah. tough. Be tough. I'm going to challenge Rabbi Jacobson something you said earlier in the program. This has come up before and we've been on together. He was always trying to provoke me. I would try. I haven't succeeded. Baruch Hashem, it's you, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't succeeded yet. But the, you know, the, the concept that uh, we we shouldn't say oh it's us like take credit you talked about like you know because one of the themes of this program has been I don't think there's enough edu- I didn't know and I frankly don't think there's enough education in the public square or in the, you know public education in the United States the educational system you can comment on this better than I would Dr Powell of course because you're a an educator around the Jewish influence the the influence of Jewish ideals explicitly on the founding of this of this country it's taught in to the contrary that it's, it was a it was a republic that was created in many many senses out of the the Protestant ideal and the escape from tyranny from the king of England but that that analog which was so explicit in so many of the writings of the pilgrims between the escaping the tyranny of of the king of England and the escaping the tyranny of Mitzrayim of the pharaoh I didn't learn that you know, in in in, uh, in secular education here, what's wrong with taking more credit? Why why can't we sometimes, you know, say, hey, we're part of the fabric of this nation, not only in terms of European waves of immigration in the, in the you know 20th century and going back mid 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 19th even with German Jews, but we're we're part of the fabric of the founding. Uh, I never learned about Haim Solomon, who was the premier financier of the American Revolution on the American side. Um, you know, and certainly not about these the, the analog between um, Exodus, our Exodus from 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 Chumash and the Pilgrims' Exodus 
from from England. I would like to see more credit taken. I would like to see us stand up as as spiritual leaders like yourself, who have really a global pulpit. I would say, say you know, hey, these these are ideals that are at the foundation of American democracy, which means it's the foundation of global democracy uh, today. And you wouldn't you wouldn't have this without our ideals. The, the, let me right, hold on, let's, uh, uh, Dr. Powell, I'm challenging, to, I'm trying to irk Rabbi Jacobson. Let's see if I succeeded at all. Okay. Uh, on the contrary, I, I have no problem with the credit. I didn't say we have to hide this, hide, hide the secret. I, the, I am on the show, and the show <laughs> is titled exactly that. I think people should be educated. I was just saying that I personally, and I'm sure many, you know, if you asked Abraham, the proof is in the pudding. We don't necessarily need a Academy Award for it, mm. and we don't need to be publicized as such because the, when you're really seeking truth, you're not necessarily seeking credit. So, but I do think that it's that for just for historical purposes and for truth and honesty, it's important to set the record straight. So I'm all for that. That's not an issue. I was just saying it doesn't have to be our number one priority. Hey, to go to Washington and say, listen, all of you wouldn't be here, and this country wouldn't be here if it wasn't for us. Yeah. I think just the success of this republic and our influence, and frankly, I think this influence continues. I, When I speak to Jewish audiences, I often say, you know, we have a responsibility to continue to advocate and perpetuate the values upon which this country was based. And it's easy to do. All you got to do is quote yeah. the Constitution or the, the, you don't have to quote the Torah. I get, I get, you know, I was listening to an interview, uh, Dr. Powell with the Andrew Porwancher, who's the, uh, the, who published this book last year called The Jewish World of Alexander Hamilton. And, and I, and I, and I like what he, what he said was part of what I hope to do in this book is develop a theory of Jewish identity in the context of history that goes beyond being binary Jew or non-Jew. And I guess that's part of what I'm getting at. I mean, Alexander Hamilton probably technically was Jewish. His mother converted to Judaism before he was born, but, it doesn't really matter whether he identified as Jew or not. His ideas were Jewish, and the founding fathers' ideas were, in many cases, explicitly and word for word, from from Chumash. Am I am I stretching the point too far, Doctor Powell? I, what I I I I think that uh, I sort of again, it's not my first priority. My first priority, actually, as an educator, would be to honor all the contributions of all the people who have created the country. All right. It was certainly the Hebrew, uh, the Hebraic concepts of, of that the founding mothers and fathers used in this country. Um, we have uh, black slaves who built the White House and uh, contributed massive amounts. They need to be honored. And I live in California. Um, we, we I live on I live on Chumash Indian land. The first time I came out to where I live now, it said I, I read the, the name of a park was was a C H U. M-A-S-H. And I thought it said Chumash. And I thought, oh, my God, they're going to study Torah in the, in the park. Well, it turns out it was really Chumash Indians, um, Native Americans. Um, and what their contribution has been, mm-hmm. both to philosophy and, and, and all kinds of, uh, of things. And the, and the Latino contribution and the Asian contribution. So I, I think that, that if people can really understand the total contribution of all peoples, Okay, the Irish people, the Scottish people, the, the German people that came here, uh, the Russian people, the people from Ukraine, of course, uh, my grandparents, um, uh, and, and everybody's contribution. That, that is, um, you know, out of many, one. E pluribus unum. All right, out of many, one. That's the ultimate ideal. And what a, 
what a unity and what a power and what a strength that is. There's been nothing like it in the history of the world. Yeah. Nothing like it. Even even the word federal, all right, which comes from the Latin fotis, means a treaty or a compact or a contract or a trust or, believe it or not, a covenant. And sure enough, in modern Israeli Hebrew, the name of the United States is the Artsot Habrit, the land of the covenant. And that covenant should be shared by all of us across our nation. Amen. I definitely hear your 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 point, and I and I think that of course the the, the melting pot is, that has been such an integral part of this American project has been key to 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 our success. There's been contributions from every pocket. I guess I'm talking about the philosophical grounding, and I wish more children in America were brought up to understand how 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 uh, Judaic in principle that philosophical grounding was, because I think that would reduce the chances of it would in- enhance plurality and induce the, it, it reduce the chance of bigotry or anti-Semitism today. And I do okay. want to just be you know a bit of a devil's advocate by you know I just pulled a couple of quotes here from recent politics. You know Senator John McCain, in blessed memory, I, I, I thought he was a, a, a wonderful American patriot. I didn't always agree with everything he said. I certainly didn't agree with the statement that. He said in the in in 2007, I just have to say in all candor that this American nation was founded primarily on Christian principles. Um, the you know Gary Lankford who said America was founded as a Christian country. Andrew Carnegie famously said to Mark Twain, "Whether you like it or not, America is a Christian country." Although I love Mark Twain's response, which was to Carnegie, which was so as hell. <laughs> but the, 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 the point the point is that there is there are challenges here in that narrative. Um, America um, was founded by Protestant Christians who were profoundly affected, influenced by, and guided by Torah. And one would argue in the foundation of the American project, not necessarily in their private lives or in all other aspects of their lives, but in the architecture of the Constitution. And in the framing of the birth of our republic, were guided much more by Torah than they were by the Christian Bible. And I think that's a fair statement. I don't mean that to be, again, controversial. We're going to run up on time. Rabbi Jacobson, last word. So I think it's a great way to conclude because I feel, and I don't know if there's documentation, but it could very well be, like we talk about Nietzsche, who said, God is dead. And everybody thinks, oh, you know, the truth is he was saying the God that is dead was never alive in the first place. That in a way, they discovered perhaps some of the bankruptcy of the Christian distortion of God. So they, like any intelligent person, you go back to the original. If you were looking for something, you want to go back to the original. The original goes back to what they call the Old Testament, we call the Torah, back to Abraham, back to the Garden of Eden. So I think they did a market correction. Lack of a better word. And they understood to embrace a true God. You know, like we talk about Nietzsche say God is dead. We say God, and God said Nietzsche is dead. You know, to embrace a true God, they created a, a, a republic. Based and, thank, on that. and thank God they did. God bless America. Rabbi Simon Jacobson, Professor Dr. Bruce Powell, thank you for, so much for joining us tonight. My pleasure. My Happy pleasure as well. Thank Day. you so much. Catch you next week. America.
when I was in school, we used to sing it something like this. Listen here. Oh, beautiful, far spacious skies, far amber waves of rain. Our purple mountain. 